Before we dive into today's episode, I want to introduce you to The Cobble Group, which is our sponsor here at the Commercial Real Estate Investor Podcast. You know, one of the most frustrating parts of being a commercial real estate investor can be finding and leasing your next deal. And that's exactly why you need a brokerage partner like The Cobble Group. The Cobble Group is a commercial real estate brokerage based in Tennessee, helping buyers, sellers, and landlords navigate the world of buying, selling, and leasing commercial properties. Whether you're interested in office, retail, industrial, or some specialty type of commercial, the Cobble Group has you covered. While the firm largely focuses within the state of Tennessee, they've worked on projects from new construction development in Kentucky, all the way to single-tenant net lease investments in Texas, and can likely help you with your next investment project. Check out their website at thecobblegroup.com. That's T-H-E-C-A-U-B-L-E group.com. Or reach out directly to the office by email at office at thecobblegroup.com. Now, let's get into today's show. This week's episode, originally aired on our YouTube channel, which you can just find by searching for my name, Tyler Cobble, on YouTube. So if any references don't quite make sense, feel free to check out the show notes for a link to the original video. Here we go. The first property I ever bought cost me zero dollars out of pocket. Today, I'm going to show you exactly how I did that step by step. I'm Tyler Cobble and welcome back to my channel where each week we're dropping new videos on commercial real estate investing strategies, leasing and management tips, market updates, and more. Commercial real estate can be an incredible wealth building opportunity. In fact, many of the world's billionaires have diversified their investment portfolios with this asset class due to its relative stability, appreciation, and ability to leverage. But it can be expensive. Unlike stocks, bonds, and other investment vehicles, you can't just get started on Robinhood with pocket change. You'll likely need tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of dollars. And if you're anything like me, waiting to accumulate that much cash just to get started seems like a total waste of time and opportunity. So here's my step-by-step guide to how I bought my first office building with no money out of pocket so that you can do it too. First, I want to share my background with you because I think it's important that you understand where I'm coming from before we dive in. Everyone has a different set of experiences, which can certainly change the outcome of this strategy based on how much knowledge you have in commercial real estate. When I bought this building, I wasn't quite a newcomer to the scene. I started off my career as a commercial real estate broker in 2013 when I was recruited to work as the in-house leasing agent for a development firm here in Nashville. This firm mostly developed residential real estate, such as custom homes, townhome communities and multifamily projects, but they also owned a portfolio of office, retail, and industrial real estate. I cut my teeth working on these commercial buildings, which gave me some knowledge as to how these properties were leased, managed, and operated. New investors, or those that desire to become one, ask me all the time, what's the best way to become a successful real estate investor? And my answer is usually to start off as a broker so that you learn from the ground up. However, it's not always the best option for everyone, but it did work really well for me. I had also developed property before, but I hadn't yet invested. While I had experience as the boots on the ground, I didn't really have the investment experience, which means underwriting opportunities and organizing the capital stack, which is your debt and equity. I did, however, develop a 42-unit townhome project and was involved in every aspect of pulling that deal together. So again, I didn't quite have the true investment experience, but I understood generally how to put a deal together, work with equity partners, and place the debt with my lenders and operate the project. 
Is it crucial that you have that experience? Absolutely not. I genuinely believe that as long as you start smaller and have a couple of partners that believe in you, you can take down your first project without spending years building experience with someone else. Now, does it help to have that experience? Of course, but it won't prevent you from being successful. Now, here's how I found the investment opportunity. Finding a deal worth investing in can be the most frustrating piece of the process, especially if you're in a hot market like Nashville, where it seems like prices keep going up inexplicably or projects are changing hands off market. So here's how it went down. A client of mine actually found the deal first. A residential realtor had referred a client to the Cobble Group that was interested in finding an owner-occupied commercial building where they could operate a tech company. When I spoke with this client, they already had a building in mind, and it was on the market. Go figure. It was in a part of town called Old Hickory Village, about 15 minutes from downtown Nashville, but I wasn't that familiar with the area prior to meeting with this group. The building had been listed for sale for quite some time, so we figured we could knock the price down quite a bit. The seller was asking $750,000 for the site, and we were able to negotiate down to $575,000. So everything was looking pretty rosy, but then the financing fell through. Shortly after my client put the building under contract, their equity pulled out of the deal. They had been working with a partner out of California who just didn't see the vision for their business in this location. And when my client notified me that his partner wasn't interested in this space and that they were going to terminate the contract, I asked them to give me some time to find another buyer to which we could assign the contract. Considering the terms that we had negotiated, it was a very attractive offer and I quickly found another investor looking to purchase it. And then... It fell through again. An almost identical scenario happened with the second buyer. His financing fell through and he wasn't able to put it together fast enough to pull the deal off. Again, not wanting to lose the deal, I asked him to assign it to me. At this point, I had already started to like the neighborhood. I saw the potential for this building as a long-term investment and didn't want to let that slip through my fingers. Not to mention the fact that we had negotiated the price down so far that it was basically a steal. So I took it and ran. Now, Let's cover why I liked the office building. At this point, I had been working on the project for several months now with two different clients. After performing inspections, touring the market, meeting with the neighborhood, and realizing the potential this site had, I couldn't just let it go. It's easy to get emotional about your first purchase, but it is critical that you keep it objective and truly understand what makes the investment a good deal. So here were my thoughts. The neighborhood is emerging. Nashville has expanded quite extensively since 2010. With major announcements from Amazon, a Bernstein, Ernst & Young, and so many more, it's no surprise that this once small town rapidly hit capacity, driving buyers from established neighborhoods to new pockets that had previously been ignored. Though I had driven through Old Hickory once before with my grandfather, I knew nothing about the neighborhood before placing the building under contract. The village is a small pocket located just off of a major thoroughfare and near one of the largest lakes in Nashville, with hundreds of new construction residential units underway. A sure sign that more commercial space will be needed to serve that community. There is also limited commercial space in this pocket. The village was an old factory town built around the DuPont manufacturing facility in the early 20th century. As such, it was very intentionally developed with residential streets and a grid pattern surrounding a small commercial core. I love pockets like this one because there's a limited amount of space that may be occupied by commercial real estate, lowering your building supply and increasing the demand by business.
businesses. Being one of the few commercial buildings in a pocket was a no-brainer for me. It's also a prominent building in the village. Not only is it one of the few commercial properties in the area, but it's located on a prominent corner where much of the neighborhood traffic must drive past. While the traffic flow may never reach excessive numbers, it's still the most traffic corner in the neighborhood, which brings a number of eyes and potential customers for any tenant that occupies the space. The building also sits next door to the community center and just across the street from the post office, two other major drivers of traffic. Now, I could also buy it at below replacement costs. With the building being just under 6,000 square feet and a purchase price of $575,000, that put my cost per square foot under $100. I couldn't even build the building back for $130 a foot, let alone purchase the dirt. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that every opportunity you find at below replacement costs will make a good investment. When I see a deal like this, I use a quick back of napkin number to determine if the rent rates will work. Before even underwriting the deal, I'll throw it in at an eight cap just to see how the rent would work. For example, an eight cap times $97.11 per square foot, which was the price per square foot of this building, gives you a $7.77 per square foot in rent. Now that $7.77 per square foot rent is a triple net number, meaning that the tenant will be responsible for any and all costs involved in the property. So it's a net number to me. In this case, I knew that I could certainly rent the building for more than that, so it was worth exploring. Then here's how I underwrote the project. Underwriting is probably the most crucial piece of investing in commercial real estate. Remember, you do not want to get emotionally attached to any of these opportunities and investing in commercial real estate can be very black and white if you're disciplined. Either the numbers work or they don't. There are certainly times where you can make exceptions to this rule, but you're going to be making more of a strategic bet, which isn't as secure if you're operating based on the numbers. I also wasn't sophisticated yet, so I didn't have any of the fancy spreadsheets that I have today to underwrite this project. In fact, I really wouldn't have those for another few months after I put this project under contract, and they do help immensely. So then how did I run my numbers? Well, I used my HP 10B2+, which is one of my essential real estate tools, to run the debt service to calculate how much I would be paying each month. The loan ended up being $575,000 because we took out an additional $120,000 in a construction line just in case we needed to make any tenant improvements. Here's what that calculation looked like. $575,000 on a 20-year amortization at five and a quarter interest is $3,874 and change each month. In order for my investors and I to make an 8% return on our money in the first year, we had to rent the building at $9.47 per square foot on a triple net basis. Now I use spreadsheets and in-depth calculations. Utilizing spreadsheets makes the process far simpler. They allow me to take into account variations on the rent rate, vacancy, debt, and so much more without having to fully pencil out the equations. I use the same spreadsheet for just about every project now, and I'll modify it slightly if I need to, depending on the deal. You can throw your own together in Excel as well, if you like. These spreadsheets make your underwriting for projects much faster and far more accurate than you could likely do on your own. If you'd like to buy the spreadsheet that I use, you can find a link in the description below. So being sophisticated isn't absolutely necessary. As you can tell, I just kind of ran back of napkin numbers and that's it. I was able to raise the capital for this project based off of what I thought we could get in rents to make it work and not off of an in-depth underwriting script. If you know what to look for in these deals and how to pitch that vision, that can work just as well. 
Now, one thing to keep in mind though, I wasn't raising $5 million for an apartment syndication. This investment was relatively simple. It's a $575,000 deal. And that simplicity meant that I could take it to individuals that knew me well and would be willing to bet on the jockey. Now for putting together the capital structure or the capital stack. Raising equity and negotiating for the debt on an investment is a relatively straightforward process, especially if you're starting small like this project. However, I think most individuals overthink this aspect of it and therefore overcomplicate the entire process. Here's how I put together the capital stack. Now, obviously I didn't have any money which is the whole point of this video. And if I'd had enough money to take down this project on my own, we wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be watching this right now. So since I didn't have enough money to do the project on my own, I knew I would have to bring investors to the table to help me take it down. When you're short on cash, it's important that you do highlight and magnify the attributes that you bring to the table so that your investors not only like and trust you, but see the value in investing with you. Now, I also did have a track record. Having a track record is pretty critical when doing commercial real estate deals. Investors like to place their hard-earned dollars with operators that have been there, done that, so that they can have a bit of confidence with whom they're partnering. Now, I didn't have a track record of successful commercial real estate investments because this project was truly my first, but I did have a successful track record when it came to buying, selling, and operating commercial properties. If you don't have a history of doing exactly the type of project you're putting together, harp on the pieces that can help you, even if they're only related, and be honest and upfront with your investors. After all, everyone has to start somewhere. If necessary, don't be hesitant to bring in an expert mentor to guide you through the process. You can give them a portion of the deal, pay them for their expertise, or maybe they'll just help you because they know and like you. You don't necessarily have to have that track record if your team does. Next, I brought in the equity investors. My investors had known me for a couple of years, so I didn't have to pitch them on who I was or why they should invest with me. They both knew that I had been working in the commercial real estate industry for five years at this point and had seen some of the projects that I'd worked on. Since the capital raise was so low, $50,000 each for two investors, they both saw the vision I had laid out for this neighborhood and the project and I had almost no obstacles standing in my way to settle the deal. I highly recommend starting off with smaller projects so that your first equity raise is attainable. Next, my partner called his local lending relationship. One of the partners that I brought into the deal had far more investing experience than I did at the time. He called a local lender that he had worked with previously who was interested in working with us on this deal. One important thing to keep in mind when dealing with lenders is that they are essentially another partner in your project. They're often writing the largest check for the investment, so it's important that you pitch to and treat them like a partner. The lender was able to get us a term sheet based on the numbers we needed to see, and we were able to wrap up the debt without having to shop it around. Now, here's how I structured the partnership with the investors. I get asked more about how I structure the partnership with my equity partners than just about any other aspect of investing in commercial real estate. And to add to the confusion, there are so many different ways that you can set up your agreement. Since you source the deal and are likely going to operate it, there are any number of fees and fee structures that you could utilize that work for both you and your investors. But here's how I set up this deal. First, I took a portion of equity off the top. Since I found the deal and I was going to be the one to manage the asset, I decided that I was going to take a portion of the equity off the top for doing so. This practice is very common among commercial real estate investments. The group or entity that finds the deal and decides to put the time and energy into making it happen gets rewarded with a portion of the equity. I negotiated for part of the equity to be granted upon acquisition and the other part after the building was leased. 
This incentive kept me focused on the site and making the investment work for everyone. But I also rolled in my commission. I could have just accepted that piece of equity, but I wanted a larger chunk of the project for myself. So I rolled in my real estate commissions on the acquisition into the partnership. My 3% commission became 15% of the down payment. As you see here, 20% of the down payment divided by 3% commission equals 15%. Not only did placing that extra capital into the deal help me with my balance sheet, it also gave my investors peace of mind that I was fully committed to this deal. That commission was already baked into the deal and cost me nothing out of pocket. So I figured why not invest it anyway? If you have your real estate license or are considering getting it, this method is great for taking advantage of the commissions that sellers are already anticipating to pay. Then we moved into taking over the operations of the site. If you want to maximize the amount of equity you will retain in a deal like this one, you'll need to prove that you could operate the asset as the manager. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be out there every day changing light bulbs, mowing the lawn, and so much more, but it will be your responsibility to make sure that those actions are taking place and at an effective cost to the property. With this being my first investment, I did not want to mess it up. So I brought in a property management company. If you want to make yourself look like a solid asset manager from the start, just hire an outstanding property management company. A strong property manager will oversee the day-to-day -day operations on your behalf to ensure that the project comes in on budget and that every necessary item, including preventative maintenance, is taking place. Fortunately for me, I'm a partner in a property management company, so I brought the partners in to help me manage the site. Yes, even though it was my asset, I still hired a third-party asset management company to oversee the day-to-day -day because my time is more efficiently spent elsewhere. Be sure to get with your manager at the end of each year and set annual budgets. After that, we had to find a tenant. So my brokerage, the Cobble Group, handled the lease up of the building. If you're not a broker, aren't interested in leasing your own property, or simply don't know where to get started, I highly recommend that you bring in a high quality local firm to assist with the lease up. The longer your property is vacant, the worse the investment becomes, and it's tough to catch up for all of that lost time. The fees that commercial real estate brokers charge will pale in comparison to the lost rent, so it's certainly worth it. They will also help vet each incoming tenant to ensure that you are getting the highest quality prospects possible. I also reached out to the neighborhood in this case to see what kinds of businesses they wanted and got a number of great ideas, which helped us target the type of tenant that we ended up leasing the space to. So what's my long-term vision for the site? Well, when buying a property, it's important to think about your long-term plan. Your investors may help you decide that strategy too. If they want their capital placed for a long time to take advantage of appreciation, you're probably going to be locked in. Be sure to bring that up on the front end with your investors because the last thing you want to be doing is arguing with them about when or if you should sell. Considering the current interest rate environment, I'm likely going to be refinancing the property soon. The partner that brought this bank into the deal doesn't work with them anymore, and they're disappointingly unresponsive and unwilling to work with us, despite the project meeting expectations. Considering the fact that rates are so low right now and I have a number of better local lending relationships now, I'll refinance the project to pay off our current loan and just move on. You want to constantly be reviewing your loan documents to monitor when or if you should start the search for a refi. Now, I'd prefer to hold the building for a long time. With this building being in an up and coming neighborhood only 15 minutes outside of downtown Nashville, I'd like to hold it for the long term to take advantage of the appreciation that will come into that neighborhood. My overall plan is also to buy and hold as much real estate in the Nashville area as I possibly can, so this project fits that vision. The great thing about commercial real estate is that this tenant will be occupying the space for the next five years paying rent, meaning I don't have to worry about what we'll do with the site for quite some time. But 
As a commercial real estate investor, you should always consider selling. If an opportunity comes along that you should take, there's no reason to be stubborn and not let go of a property to free up that cash simply because you don't want to sell. While I prefer to hold all of my assets, I have sold some, strategically of course, because they allow me to roll money into an even better deal or into a better location where I enjoy working more. You never know when the right time will be to sell, so it's always best to prepare for one no matter what. Now that's how I bought my first commercial property with technically zero dollars out of pocket. If you're interested in learning more strategies for buying commercial real estate with little to no money down, check out this video right here with my favorite methods for doing that. And I'll see you there.